0: I want to be very intentional with spending one-on-one time with my kids, and the mornings are when I get to do that. We'll wake up somewhere between 6 and 6.30, and there's two things that happen every day before mom wakes up. We get a snack, and we'll play a game. And Nora's current game obsession is UNO. If you recall, UNO is about getting rid of all of your cards before anyone else does, and when you have one card left, you shout, UNO. We play tournaments of this game, round upon round of Uno. And Nora's really good at it. And Callan wants to be really good at it too. But what Callan does is well, take a look. You, want to yell? No, no. you still have cards. Hold on, it's It's not Uno. It's not Uno. No. 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 no, no. Uno. No, no, no. It's not Uno. No. 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 It's not Uno. No. Not Uno. Good. Nor's turn. No, no. It's not Uno. No. 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 There it is. No. no. It's not Uno. No, no. Uno. He'll shout Uno every time he puts a card out, and we try to correct him, but you see how well that's worked out. It's funny because he wants to get to the end of the game and win, but he doesn't want to do the work of getting rid of all of his cards. He wants to beat his sister, but he doesn't want a time limit on it. He wants to achieve, but he doesn't want to wait. He's not patient. And neither are you. And neither am I. Not naturally, anyway. Patience is not a virtue that we're born with ready to share with the rest of society. Whether that's next-day delivery with Amazon, binge-watching seasons on Netflix, standing in the line at the grocery store, even our politics, we're always waiting for something, but we're never patient. Whether it's a COVID vaccine, when are things going to get back to normal? When will the next Marvel movie come out? When will I get to hold my third child? You see, it's all about patience. And it's not something we're used to because we live in a now society where everything is at our fingertips. But that's not a biblical concept. It's not a healthy concept. It's not sustainable to receive everything the second you require it. And so considering this idea of patience, I think we need a Bible-centered theology from which we live out our Christian journey. Otherwise, we'll be shouting uno at all the wrong times. And that's what we're going to be looking at in our verse today in James. But let's open in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, would you teach us what it means to wait so that we would look more like Jesus? Amen. No one likes being in the middle. And I don't mean the middle as in busy with content, I mean literally between two things, whether it's the middle seat of a minivan in between a door in the middle of the street no one likes that because it's incredibly uncomfortable and there's no foundation there's no stability you're not where you were but you're not where you're going and in many ways the church is in the middle according to many scholars and theologians we live in the age of the church Where the gospel is being proclaimed since Jesus' ascension and lives have been transformed by the gospel for over 2,000 years, none of us would deny that. But now, as the church, as the bride of Christ, as followers of the way, we live in what's called the already, not yet. It's a paradigm developed by Gerardus Voss, a Princeton theologian, that argues that we are actively taking part in the kingdom of God, although it hasn't reached its full expression yet. The already is this, that Christ has come, conquered, and coming again for his church. We have the Bible, the full canon of God-inspired texts written by men, however you define that. That's the already. But the not yet is that sin, while defeated, is not eliminated. Just check your newsfeed. The kingdom of God is not completely on earth as it is in heaven, according to Matthew 6.10. And we as followers of Jesus in the age of the church find ourselves between these two places. Christ's finished work of salvation and the security of our souls, and the restoration of the earth and his eventual return. Amidst these two things, we're in the middle. And I don't like the middle. It's unsettling. It's unnerving. But it's our calling. And I say it's our calling because if we believe that our God spoke the universe into existence using language, if we believe that a talking serpent had a hand to play in our spiritual demise, that seas split, that donkey spoke, and a virgin gave birth— shouldn't be that difficult to believe that that same God knows exactly who and what members of the human race are supposed to be alive and active in the middle. So now that we've set this table, that we are called by name to this cosmic discomfort between Jesus's ascension and his return, we've got to ask the following question. How am I supposed to navigate this tension? Well, we're only tackling one half of one verse today, and it's James 5, verse 7. And there's three sections that we're going to look at today in it. And James 5, as we've heard for the last few weeks, is all about exhortation. And then we come to verse 7, which the header is entitled, Patience in Suffering. And the verse says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. The first section is, be patient. The word defined means a willingness to endure. And within the word, there's an implied encouragement to stretch your capacity in waiting. It's also a command that James is giving us to be long-suffering. And like we stated before, it's not something that we do naturally. So it's mentioned here as a reminder of how to navigate life. And you're probably familiar with the phrase, patience is a virtue. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5. It's even the first adjective used when describing love in 1 Corinthians 13. And we, with a smile on our face, sing the song, be patient, be patient, don't be in such a hurry. But what is it? Is it just being able to wait? Well, patience is like an onion. It has layers to it. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. Okay, layer one. It's the ability to accept trouble. All right, layer two. It's the ability to accept suffering. And those layers became more difficult as we listed them, but to complete it, it's the ability to accept delay, trouble, and suffering without becoming Angry. And there it is. Without becoming angry. I can accept my Amazon package as late, but you're going to hear about it in the review section. I can accept when my coworkers give me a hard time about something, but will I do it without becoming upset? Will I receive what comes my way and maintain self restraint? Not a lot of us can do that. We don't let comments go easily, and I think some of that has to do with us as humans, but it also has to do with us as Americans. Not only do we think our opinion is perfect and thus needs to be shared with the whole of society, but we have a nationalism that gives us an overactive sense of pride. But you see, the gospel is a callback to humility. It's a callback to vulnerability, death to self, back to love, back to patience. It's good news that permeates every aspect of our lives. And there's no anger in the story of Jesus laying down his life for humanity, but there is an overwhelming amount of patience, of composure in the midst of suffering. And I think as we travel in our spiritual journey through discomfort, through the middle, we are exhorted and called to pick up our cross And to embrace a self-control that accepts the unexpected without becoming hostile or strongly annoyed. And some of you are thinking, well, I don't blow up at anyone verbally or physically. I'd say if it's not happening on the outside, but it is on the inside, you miss the point. For example, Nora thinks it's funny when I call Callan Hulk. He's a great picture of patience unrealized. And sometimes if he doesn't get what he wants right away. He freaks out, and that's because he's going to be too. Some of us have no excuse. Patience is a layered emotional response to the circumstances in my life that God still remains sovereign over, and my call as a Christ follower is to endure what may come with discipline and with resolve. Now, what I am not saying is that we lay down and play possum all the time. Jesus flipped tables, too. There is space to be angry at injustice, at racism, at hatred, and not sin, Ephesians 4. But the point where I see anger crossed into the sin territory is where patience comes in. For example, there's a difference between a mob and a peaceful protest. One is willing to act and wait for change. The other isn't. Atticus Finch in the novel To Kill a Mockingbird says a mob is a place where people take a break from their conscience, where you have no restraint, no patience. And the easiest way to test patience in your life is to look at the areas of delay, trouble, and suffering and ask the question, do I cross the line into anger that I let run wild? Whether that's physical anger, emotional anger, or mental anger, anything less isn't patience. Now the second part of the verse says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters. And I always rush past this phrase in the New Testament just assuming it's there to address the reader, just so you're not confused as to who we're talking to. But the amount of times that I see it addressed in the Bible, including this section, I now see this as a call to family. This isn't a singular encouragement. This is a family address. You know what psychologists say about trauma? It's a result of what happens when someone experiences suffering alone. Robert Stullerow says, Trauma is when severe pain cannot find a relational home in which it can be held. This year's been fun so far. Only getting better. But I don't think people necessarily need someone to come through and fix all the problems. I think they need a community who will sit with them through the problems. To provide a place of respite, a home, a family. And we as believers are a family called to a new vision of life. So when we hear James say, be patient, brothers and sisters, it's not an individual you, it's a communal y'all. And why is this important? Because saying, Joey, you need to do the leaves is a lot different than Monteleone's do the leaves together. As difficult as being patient is, to not dive into anger, to not cross into that sin line, it's easier when there's a family doing it together. And I think James knows that. The church is a family, brothers and sisters, working side by side together, supporting one another, encouraging each other to follow Jesus as best we can together. And displaying patience is one of those things that we do together as well. Now the last part of the verse says, be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. And I think there's two ways that we can interpret this phrase, and we'll dive into both of them here briefly. The first way we traditionally think of as believers when it says the coming of the Lord is this, Jesus's return. Now, for 2,000 years, men and women have been looking to the sky, to scripture, and awaiting the day that Jesus would return. And the idea that we have about a post-apocalyptic return of Jesus connected to the book of Revelation was actually originated in 1850 by our very own John Nelson Darby. Ironically, after falling off his horse and sustaining a very severe injury. And you can look that up for accuracy. But regardless of the validity of the interpretation, it's been a subject that has fascinated the mind and at times consumed my mind almost to the point of terror. Many of my friends who grew up in the evangelical church had similar sleepless nights wondering when the end would come. And I had to dive down into why I and so many throughout history have become so paranoid and consumed with the idea of when Jesus is coming back, when, if we're honest, Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. He says that in Mark 13, 32. And what I realized was that it was easier for me to focus on something else, almost as a distraction, to look for signs and wonders and to make sure the temple is rebuilt, to make sure the Muslims are vacated and then Jesus will come back. It was easier for me to look at that than to grapple with my own unease and comfort of the fact that one day I'm going to die. I will cease to exist. Now, why do I say that? Well, because it's connected to this idea of patience. That we're not content in the fact that God knows the end from the beginning, that the return of his son is on his schedule, not mine, and I'm trying to distract myself from the unknown so that I don't have to be patient. Because if I can figure it out, then I don't have to wait. Now, I am not suggesting that being a student of the Word is a waste. Reading Revelation even includes a blessing for those that do it. Of course, we don't want to be ignorant and uneducated. What I am suggesting is that an obsession with something we are not designed to understand is a means of distraction that does not embrace the call to patience. It's shouting Uno with six cards in your hand. Is it nice to consider the next life? Absolutely. But Jesus talks more about this life than he does about the next one. He discusses how we should treat each other, the condition of our hearts, the sharing of good news more than when he's coming back. And I personally don't think that God left us here on earth to have a Jesus word search consume all our time. In other words, relax. Be patient. 47 people have publicly predicted the return of Christ since the year 1000 A.D. And you know what they all have in common? They were all wrong, and they're all dead now. We wait with eager anticipation the coming of our King, not anxiety, with patience. But I think there's another way of looking at the phrase. The first is the eschatology framework. But I think the second has to do with his arrival in the now. The first is, be patient, church, for the return of Jesus. The second is, be patient, church, for the timing of Jesus. You see, we work next-day delivery into our faith, and not only does that set us up for failure, not only does that make God into a cosmic genie, it ignores the call of maturity. Like we said before, my children don't always get the patience game right. And that's because they're learning. But the hope is that with enough training, prayer, and a little luck, they're going to grow into fully functioning adults who understand that life and that faith is not a light switch. And we get it as parents, but we don't get it as Christians. That not everything in your life is going to arrive when you want it to, but it will arrive when God needs it to. You see, the real test of our faith and the real test of patience is this, do you trust God's timing? God's timing doesn't always arrive when we want it to. Ask Lazarus, ask Mary and Martha. Mary has this very interesting encounter with Jesus, and I think we have a similar encounter all the time. Mary comes to Jesus and, and Jesus says to her, "'I am the resurrection.' And Mary says, yeah, 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 I know, Jesus. I know Lazarus will rise on the last day. She missed it. It wasn't that she doubted God's power. It was that she doubted God's timing. Here's the difference. Some of us trust God with our salvation. We trust him that he'll get us to heaven one day. We trust him with everything, but let him not deliver something the second we require it. We don't trust his timing we're not patient. Like Mary, we can have all the right theology, but our praxeology is what matters more. We can have God all mapped out with right language, right belief, right definitions, right everything. But if we don't live that out, if that doesn't lead us to a right way of living that embodies those beliefs, it's of no value. We can say God knows the end from the beginning, but if we stress out because I don't have that job, I don't have that spouse, I don't see a way out of my circumstances, and I get angry losing my patience, then I don't really believe it. My faith must inform my thinking and my living. So to sum everything up that we've covered, the verse looks more like this be willing to accept delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry together as the family of God until God reveals himself, whether in your present situation or at the final end. Be willing to accept delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry together as the family of God until God reveals himself, whether in your present situation or at the final end. Church, we're not anxious. We're not worried. We're not out of control, and we're not alone. We're the family of God called to navigate the middle with patience, with love, and with each other until God finally says, with one card left, uno. Let's close in prayer. God, we confess that we don't do this well. This waiting when we're not in control. And may the thoughts that we've meditated on this morning transform the way we live by the power of your Holy Spirit in us. Amen.